and welcome to Our Jackson Home. This week I'm joined by Ronnie Coleman. He's the lead pastor at Soul Quest Church uh, here in Jackson. And uh, Ronnie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So Ronnie, um, where are you from originally? Well, my hometown is Milan, big big okay. metropolitan Milan, but I was born in Nashville, lived there till I was 10. Yeah. And then we moved to Milan because my mom and dad thought that it would be cheaper to raise kids in a small town. Gotcha. So we packed up the U-Haul and we headed to Milan. And I was, you know, I lived there from 10 until I graduated. Okay. And a great bulldog, time. yeah, bulldog. Play football and all that absolutely, jazz. Absolutely, someone, uh, absolutely. Someone, I was talking one of the youth kids. So we have some kids at church that drive in from Milan, um, or they go to Milan anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked me something about football, and I was like, "I'm sorry, I'm pretty sure in Milan, <laughs> like if you don't know something about football, you're cast out of town." Absolutely, it's a football <laughs> town, no doubt about it. Yeah, and and so so from Milan, mm-hmm. Milan High School graduate, then what? Well, I graduated high school, went off to Liberty University. That's in Lynchburg, Virginia. You may remember the name Dr. Jerry Falwell. Yeah. I got a full full scholarship for one year, and uh, and that was it. Trying one of those things <laughs> to suck you in, you know, and and you'll figure out a way to come back. Well, I didn't figure out a way to go back, so uh, came back and uh, ended up graduating from uh, Union right here in Jackson. What were you studying? Uh, biblical studies. Religion back then, I think it was actually called religion. Yeah, with a minor in uh, whatever I thought was the easiest thing for me at the time. <laughs> Never was a good student, but I ended up minoring in sociology, which really helps in ministry. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I enjoyed that. So, 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 how how early in life did you know that you were pursuing ministry? Well, um, when I was sixteen years of age, I made a decision to trust Christ as my savior. And it really wasn't long after that. I just kept feeling like something weird was going on in my spirit. And I, you know, at 16, you don't even know how to describe the feelings yeah. or what's going on. And I kept going to my pastor. And I said, Doc, Dr. Don Witt, he's, uh, he's in full-time evangelism now, but he was my pastor. And I went to his office like once a week from 16 until almost 17. And, uh, and, I, and he said, you know, maybe God's calling you into the ministry. Maybe God's calling you to preach. I just felt this overwhelming, strong burden to share the gospel with people. And uh, and when I was seven, right when I turned 17, shortly after that, I surrendered to the call to preach. And uh, I never will forget it. Don said, back in the day, you know, that's the way they did it. You you, you had to go forward, you know. And I yeah. took, and he said, just come forward in a service and, and tell me. I already know why you're coming. You're, you're surrendering to preach. So I did that. And he introduced me to the church, you know, and all the little ladies came by and hugged mm-hmm. you and kissed you and all that. And then the next Sunday night, he he had me in the pulpit preaching. And that was wild for me, you yeah. know, because I was always the guy that, uh, honestly, if we had an oral book report in school, uh-huh. I would stay home. I was sick. I mean, I just I just couldn't speak in front of people. And he said, "There's no no reason, you know, why we should wait. We're going to get you in the pulpit next Sunday night." And so, sure enough, I said, "Well, I don't know how to how do I prepare? I don't yeah. know what to do." He gave me this book. It was. Uh, if I remember the name, it was Simple Sermons by Herschel Hobbs or somebody. Simple Sermons. And he said, take one of those sermons and just memorize it. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. And I preached on the devil. I practiced it. It was 28 minutes. But when I got up there, it was seven and a half minutes. I've got it. I still have it. They recorded it on, on audio cassette. Uh-huh. It's in my attic somewhere. And I hope I never find it again. It was miserable. I thought, Lord, you picked the wrong guy. But uh, that's where it all began. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the themes that comes up with a lot, I have a lot of interesting people on this podcast. You wouldn't, the number of people that someone like a Dr. DeWitt 
um, that comes along and pushes you a certain way. Mm-hmm. And because he could have just left you to say, oh, that's great. You know, I grew up in a church that one of the pastoral staff, because at a time I thought I was pursuing pastoral mm-hmm. ministry. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, sure, great. That's fine. And then, uh, you know, having a Dr. DeWitt. Well, yeah. And, and what's so interesting about him, he did invest in me because... Mm-hmm. I mean, I would just go by the church office. I was so young, I didn't know you probably didn't need to just drop in. You know, yeah. this was a strong church. It got almost to a thousand people in Milan, Tennessee, at one time, and and I would just stop by. Yeah. And he would all, and then he would call me on the phone. He said, "I'm preaching a revival over here in Bradford or Trenton or Huntington or wherever." He said, "You want to ride with me?" So, on you know, many occasions Absolutely. I would sit in the truck with him, <laughs> and I would just glean and I would soak it in, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Anyway, Don Witt has just uh, been a been a godsend to me. Yeah, that good guy. Mentorship is vastly under under. Absolutely, need to do more of it today. So, so you go to Union, you go to Liberty, you go to Union, get a religion degree, right? Where's okay? Next? So, so what happens during? Um, I kind of laid out of school between the Liberty and the Union thing. I went to Jackson State back when it was on quarter systems. I'm old, but uh, and so and then I I just kind of thought at that time, I, I think I want to be an evangelist. You know, I want to travel around and preach. I want to be a Billy Graham kind of yeah. thing. And I think every young pastor may think that, uh, or a lot of them do. And I and I just thought, I don't need an education. Mm. So in that process, I dropped out of Jackson State. In that process of not really being in school, working here, working there, I'm, I get married. And then a year and a half later, my wife's pregnant with our first son. Something clicked in me at that point. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of flopping around, you know, and I'm a, I'm a part-time uh, youth pastor at First Baptist Bradford, okay. and then I'm a for, part-time youth pastor at uh, First uh, at Antioch Baptist. You at know, the same at, time? No, no, no. Oh. I went from, yeah, Bradford, <laughs> not at the same time. I was a terrible youth pastor, by the way. So I was a youth pastor, and then I left there and went to, to Antioch Baptist right there at three-way area, Humboldt. And, uh, and, and it was that period of time, something hit me when Tammy became pregnant, I'm gonna be a dad. I've got these responsibilities. Maybe you're not. You don't have to go to school to be a pastor, but I'm gonna do whatever I've got to do mm-hmm. to get people to look at a resume mm-hmm. for God to you. You know to use that to open a door for me. And I went back to college. We moved in with Tam, my, my wife's parents to go back to school, and within really two or three weeks, Lavinia Baptist Church way out near the Milan Arsenal. Okay. They had they ran I think 23 people when I went there. They called me. Said because I'd done a I had done a revival for them through a union revival team. Mm-hmm. And they remembered me. And so uh anyway, long story short, they called me to be their pastor. I was 23 years old. You know, I got the late start in college yeah. or finish. I was 23, wife, baby on the way, and I got my first church to pastor. Now, they taught me so much more than I ever taught them. I was green behind the ears, but it was a great church, and it was a great opportunity for me to learn ministry. Mm -hmm. And they were very, very patient with me. But uh, that's how I got started. And then, you know, from there, I went to another church, you know, another church and another church. But but that's how it all began. Yeah. And so you ended up in Florida for a while. Yeah. Well, I, I went from Lavinia to a church in Henderson, then to a church in Dyer. And then I pastored First Baptist Church in Trenton, Tennessee. I was there for eight years. That was probably my longest tenure. And God did a great work in that church. And mm-hmm. I think they were running about 160 when we went there and maybe 450 when we left. And God just really grew that church. 
we left there and went to Pensacola area. Little community, not a little community. It's a, it's very similar to our Medina to Jackson here. Okay. It's called Pace. It's not even incorporated though, but there were 65,000 people in Pace. Okay. It's kind of an outskirts of Pensacola. And I went there and pastored um, uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church. So I was in that existing church thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a pastor of an existing church. That's all I ever knew yeah. of a Southern Baptist church for 18 or 19 years of my full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and, but there was also the, the, uh, revival aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I've always, uh, I, I, I left that out, but between the dire church, New Bethlehem, and when I went to first Baptist Trenton, um, I, I left the pastor and I went. And I just traveled. I went into full-time evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, some of your listeners may know kind of what that is if they've been around church much. But you know, I just went and did conferences, revivals, crusades, men's conferences, a lot of youth things. Mm-hmm. I did that for almost four years on the road, on the road, weekend. nonstop. Yeah. I would leave on a Saturday, sometimes Friday, most of the time Saturday. I'd either fly out somewhere or I would drive, and I would come back on a Thursday. So. And at that time, I had small children. So I, I, I never will forget this. Um, and, and the longer I was in it, the further I was going. Yeah. I was going further south, all the way to Michigan. I was doing meetings in Michigan all the time and all over the place. So the further you go, it takes longer to get back. Yeah. And so I, I never will forget. I got in on a Thursday afternoon. And my wife's sitting at the table and she's, she's crying. I'm like, oh, God, what did I do? You know, yeah. what have yeah. I done now? And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like coming home, God, Tammy, praise God, God saved 50 people in this meeting or God did this. Uh-huh. And she's like, please help with the kids, you know? So uh-huh. for that period of three and a half, four years, she's kind of like a single mom. Yeah. She's going to church by herself. She's putting the kids in kids worship and nursery and whatever. She's sitting there by herself. She's bringing the kids to baseball games and mm-hmm. all that. And so anyway, I got home on that Thursday and she said, um, I want you to pray about getting back into the pastorate, you know. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, um, I got a little bit angry. We worked so hard to get to the place we yeah, were. Yeah. And uh, But I called and talked to one of my pastor friends, one of my mentors, as mm-hmm. we talked about earlier. This was Brother Skip Parvin. He was the new pastor of First Baptist Milan, where I was the staff evangelist now. I'm staff evangelist in the church I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And he said, Ronnie, you can be an evangelist from the local church. You can win people to Jesus locally right where you are yeah. remember it's god family then ministry yeah. boy that stuck with me and that afternoon i got a call from first baptist trenton and i became their pastor oh. so anyway yeah. so we went to trenton and then went to florida after mm-hmm. that and your wife's happy now she's yeah she <laughs> loves it she loves it so so walk us up to the last step before you launch soul quest which is really what we're here to talk about yeah absolutely so, what, so what's that last step look like well, uh, once again, this goes for anybody in the ministry or business. If your wife is not with you in your endeavor, mm-hmm. whatever your endeavor is, opening a business, 100%. starting a church, if your wife is not on board with you, yeah. you better back up and punt, rethink it, repray it, do something. 100%. So real quick, I know I'm, we're, no, you're we're, good. we're doing, supposed to be talking about Soul Quest, but this brings us up to yeah. it. In 2006... Tammy and I went to a conference in Dallas. We try to go to the same conference every year. God spoke to both of us at that conference in 06 to plant Soul Quest Church in Jackson, Tennessee. 
Now this is 2000 and what? 18? 18. All right, that's a long time ago, so right? We we met what 2015? Yeah. Yeah, we yes, we well we started in 2014, 2014. at the Star Center. So uh that's 6 7 8 years later, right? Mm-hmm. So it took me 8 years to start what God called me to do in 06. Yeah. But here's why. Um when I was in evangelism, I brought my wife through that. Anytime you start something and you're living on love offerings and you know, my wife, like a lot of our wives, wants security to yeah. know where the check's coming from, right? Yeah. How am I going to buy groceries? How am I going to... And so we went through that. And so when we, when I started talking, okay, let's start this church, let's start this church, she was a little bit timid about it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know. You know, I don't want to know if I want to do this right now or not. It took going to Florida. Now, if anybody in Florida listens to this... We love Florida. We love the church. <laughs> but <laughs> but my wife was not happy. Yeah. And here's she wasn't happy because of the church. It wasn't because of the church or the the white sandy beaches, you know. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was because she was away from all her family was here. She's super tight, close to her family. Gotcha. It was really hard for her. Yeah. Her father was not uh, and still to this day is not he's not really healthy. He's had some health issues. Mm-hmm. We were driving back and forth sometimes twice a month to check on him for different things. That's an eight-hour yeah. drive one way. We leave us off on Fridays. We leave Friday morning. We come back on Saturday. Woo. Drive back to Florida on Saturday. So once again, my wife came to me. We were only there three years to the Sunday, which I felt bad about because yeah. we, we weren't there very long. This was a great church, large church, grew to well over 1,000, you know, 1,600 people on big days. Big, you know, great church. My wife says, let's do it. Just one day out of the blue. Let's, I said, let's do what, baby? <laughs> what she said, let's do it. I said, do what? She said, let's start Soul Quest Church. And it was like, it was like I started hearing Rocky music, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I was I was running faster than Apollo to call people. I mean, I was like so excited. Yeah. And because that's, we talk about it all. We talked about it all the time. Yeah. And so when she said that, the first thing I did, I got on the phone. I started calling pastor friends. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to what you were asking me. Yeah. How did we get to where we are? Yeah. And I just started calling, pray for us. I'm going to resign our church sometime. I don't know exactly when. So don't and, tell anybody yet. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and we're going to move back and we're going to plant Soul Quest Church. Yeah. And really, you know, God's timing is everything and God's sovereignty mm-hmm. is everything. God knew all this. My daughter is our worship leader. If I'd have done it in 2006, she'd been like five years old or whatever. I don't know. But my daughter is a phenomenal worship leader. And she came back. She was only 18, but she was our worship leader. And she is just like one of the best ever. And of course, I'm a little biased. but And so um, so anyway, we we ended up making the move back. All right. So we're going to take a break. We'll sure. come back and we're going to talk about more about uh, starting Soul Quest and, and getting towards today. So, so between the Tennessee and Mississippi rivers, this is our Jackson home. Jackson home. This week we're joined by Ronnie Coleman. He's the lead pastor at Soul Quest Church. Now, Ronnie, the name Soul Quest is a little bit different. Yeah. Very unique. Very um, mouthful. It's mouthful, but you see it and you're like, okay, that's definitely that thing. Yeah. So, so tell us about that name. Well, it you know when I was at Liberty University, my freshman year of college, there was a a group that sang and they would leave campus of students and they go out and sing at different churches and they were called Youth Quest. Okay. And. Uh, 
even back then, I just thought, I'm going to be an evangelist one day, you know, uh-huh. I wanna, and, and I need to have a name. Yeah. And so I made up this name, and it just came to me, SoulQuest, Evangelistic Association. And so uh, when I was in evangelism for four years, you know, I told you I had that in-between time, um, we got, it was just a no-brainer. It was going to be SoulQuest Evangelistic Association Incorporated. So we became a non-profit 501c3 and and uh, that was the name. Yeah. So when we started the church, and the and the tagline under it was a a ministry on a quest uh-huh. for souls. So yeah. and so when we started the church, it was just I don't know, it was just a no brainer for me. That was just it. And it and it wasn't. Uh, it's, it was different than everybody else's. Mm-hmm. You know. So that's where it came from. And so okay, so you've got the name. Uh, you pick. You're coming back to Jackson. Was it your first thing you did when you came back to Jackson, or was this? Like, had you, did you do anything else? So you came straight back from Florida? Yeah, we, we moved back in uh, June of 2013. Okay. That's when we moved back. And uh, I, I don't advise anybody to do this necessarily, but we cashed all of my retirement in to be able to start this church. Ooh. Yeah, so yeah. we're back. We're starting over again. Yeah. But we... we um, I mean, we were all in. Yeah. We were just all in. For it, sure. This is going to go. And so we moved back 2013 in June. And um, and what we did was I made calls and calls and calls to pastor friends that I that I knew. Mm-hmm. And this is what I asked them. I said, uh, guys, because I've been in all their churches, done revivals and yeah. meetings for them. I said, this is what we're doing as a friend. Would you have me in your church and let me share our vision? of what God's, what we're doing and maybe give us an honorarium or take up a love offering or whatever. Mm-hmm. We did that from June until October of that year, 2013. And we, I spoke in, in a church every single Sunday except for one and I think that maybe it's Father's Day. And, um, and I would share, and I preach, my kids joke about it because I would preach the exact same message yeah. everywhere I went because it was basically about our vision and what we were doing. And churches would just... Man, they were buying in. They were praying for us. They gave us huge offerings just to help us yeah. get started. That's awesome. And then... And what, and just, I mean, I want to step on that for a second. Yeah, go ahead. It's like, how many times are you going to ask a pastor, you know, like, we're going to come and do something in your general vicinity right? that could potentially take members from your church. Yeah, right. Or potentially... And, and, and they see enough that they're like... Well, and that's yes. the reason you call people that you have a relationship with. Yeah. You know, if it was somebody I didn't really have a relationship with, I just didn't fool with it. But yeah. I, I called people, and not all of them were local churches. Some okay. of them were further Nashville, Memphis, yeah. Florida, different places that I would do that. And um, and that's an issue. And we could talk about that in a whole other thing. Yeah, but, but, but for them to still do that. I absolutely. speaks highly of them and of their trust in you. Absolutely. For, let me just give an example. Let me, sh- let me give a yeah. shout out to one of my good friends, Dale Denny. At okay. Chapel Hill Baptist in Milan. Okay. I mean, they're not a long way from here. And Dale and I are, are, are good friends. And uh, he had us in. And uh, I think he told me they took up like the largest offering they'd ever taken up for anybody for, in one day for our ministry. So they bought in. And, yeah. and to this day, they still, people, how's the church going? Yeah. And they're interested in seeing what God's doing. Um, so that's how it all began. Yeah. And we preached every Sunday, just casting the vision, casting the vision. Mm-hmm. And I got to the place, when I was evangelism, I was always hesitant to ask anybody to support my ministry. Mm-hmm. I just never felt, you know, it's just like, 
you don't feel good about asking people. But I had to get by, past that because I had to. I got to the place where I said, "Well, this is what God's called us to do. Yeah. We're not going to get any right now. We're not getting any help from any convention or any association. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're coming back with nothing." Yeah. And so I, I just came to the place where I so said, "You have not because you ask not," and uh, and so that's what we did. And then, if you'll remember, because you were there then in October. Starting in October of 13, yeah. we had uh, what we called preview services. One a month uh-huh. for three or I four do. months. I yeah, don't know so, if you remember so, that or not. So when we met, um, we I was working at the Star Center. Right. And it was over the rentals. Mm-hmm. And here comes uh, this bald preacher guy. Absolutely, yeah. He's like, I want to play loud music in here <laughs> once a month. And, yeah, absolutely. And I was like... Yes. Yeah, and it was loud, all right. It was. And, yeah, and so we had three. I think we had three or four pre. What we said was a Tuesday night, basically, and we just we wore social media out. We still do, you know, all the time. But we we invited people that were unchurched and friends and anybody who would come, and we basically said, "What you see is what you're going to get. What yeah. you see in these preview services is what who we're going to be on a weekly basis." So after those three, I can't remember if it's three or four, but after those three or four, then we just started having services at the Star Center. Now, we didn't officially launch until April of 14, mm-hmm. but that gave us from uh, the end of the year, 2013, until April, a time to kind of build a core group. And Now, some people do it differently. Some people meet in their living room for a while, mm-hmm. and then they... We just didn't do that. Yeah, we tried. Jump. We Wait. just jumped yeah. into it. We, yeah. I do everything wrong. You know, we just <laughs> learned on the fly. But you could. We tried to launch large, and we did. We launched with uh, 150 people, and that's pretty large for some church plants. Of course, the next Sunday it's 80. The next Sunday it's 60. The next Sunday it's 40, and down it got down to about 30, and then it started building back up. Mm-hmm. But then in April of 14, we had our official SoulQuest Church public launch. And we have been going strong ever since. Yeah. So so part of your mission, part of what you say is that you're doing things differently mm-hmm. or doing church differently. I think yeah. is the... Well, that was the, one of the original uh-huh. little signs, but we like to have little things, you know, like that. Um, our vision is our vi- vision is what you see in the future. Mm-hmm. We see by 2025, 5,000 worshipers. That's our vision. Okay. Your mission, at least for us, our mission is is what we're going to do to get there. And so our mission is to do whatever it takes. Anything you see on social media, on cards, it's going to basically have a hashtag, whatever it takes. And we get that from Mark 2, 1 through 12, where uh, four men got concerned about one man who was on a pallet. And they brought him to Capernaum where Jesus was. And they, they got to the house where Jesus was having house church. And it was standing room only. They couldn't get him in. They didn't give up. They climbed, I don't know if you remember the story, they climbed up on the roof and they knocked out the tiles and they lowered this man down at the feet of Jesus. They did whatever it took to get this man to Jesus. Yeah. Now, they didn't save him. They didn't heal him. Jesus did. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say that I've never saved anybody. I've never healed him. I've never, you know, our church hasn't. Jesus does all that. Yeah. But it's our job to get people yeah. into his presence. And that's why we do things differently. We, yeah. we try to be innovative and creative and yeah. try to do everything we possibly can to get people who are not Christians, who are far from God, under the sound of the gospel. Yeah. So so when we think about, because I think when we say something about church, everybody has a mental picture mm-hmm. of what they think church is. What are you guys doing differently? And then what are you doing the same? Well, I, I would say that from a lot of, of of existing churches and mainline denominational churches, we may be 
doing some methodology different. Okay. But our message is the same. Well, so what would what would be some methodology? Um, well, I mean, we have the lights streaming everywhere, and we have uh, we have loud music, and nobody wears anything but blue jeans and t-shirts, and uh, we just try to make it as comfortable as, as we possibly can for somebody coming off the street that's never been in church uh-huh. or who's been out of church for 20 years. We we, we say this sometimes. We, we, we want to reach people that are in some of the clubs mm-hmm. and people that are far from God and people that have addictions in their life and people that are hurting and people that, um, you know, that don't feel necessarily comfortable in a church. And you've heard this before. You invite somebody to church. They say, "Well, I don't, I don't have any church clothes." Yeah. Well, we don't have that problem because yeah. the preacher wears blue jeans and you know, t-shirt and tennis shoes. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with dressing up for church. Yeah. That's just not how we do it. Yeah. Uh, but we we do a lot of creative things. You know, we've we've uh, I've preached messages before where I come down the middle aisle with a bunch of guys carrying me in a casket, playing <laughs> the Undertaker music, uh-huh. freaking everybody out. <laughs> And uh, we just do different kind yeah. of stuff. And part of that also, and, and a, lot of, a lot of churches do this, but we do Love Week in the summer where we go out and we just bless um, nonprofits, you know, like Area Relief Ministry and uh, RIFA and even the Star Center. We've always done something for them every year. We'll do that for Northside High School. Yeah, so t- so you've recently left the Star Center. You've moved into Northside. Mm, yeah. Uh, and part of moving in was updating the gym, right? Well, they, they got a grant, and okay. so they were able to refinish the floor, and they actually painted a couple of the walls in there. And um, great people to work with, the principal and vice principal. They are just uh, they're doing a fantastic job. But for us, it was a it was a must move. We just outgrew the Star Center. We were in two services. We we're growing so rapidly. We were growing at the rap at forty five to fifty percent every year. And we knew before we built on our land. Um, by the way, our land is out next to Smallwoods on Highway 45. If you're ever yeah. out that way, drive by. We bought 25 acres. But we knew that if we'd ever, we're not going to be able to get to that land and build until we could grow and reach more people. And we had maxed the Star Center out. So now we're in Northside High School. Uh, we get 300, almost 400 chairs on the floor. We get 700 more up in the bleachers. So we, we can we can grow to 1,000 people yeah. easy in, the, in there. And uh, it's just a... We love it. We've only been there two months, not even two months yet, yeah. but we love it. What's some of the relationship like that going to be like? You mentioned there was going to be some service projects you already do. We're going to do a, a love day in March. I'm not sure. I can't remember the date. But we're going to go in and paint the lobby, mm-hmm. paint the floor, uh, the bathrooms, just do some updating things. You know, We want to have a good relationship with them. We want to bless them. Yeah. They've been good to us. We want to bless them. And uh, so it'll help. The community, they still play basketball games in there. You yeah, know. I was there a couple weeks ago. Yeah, great. yeah. So we, you know, that's where we are right now, and it's it's great. But but back to the 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 message versus the methodology. Right, right, right. Um, we we're going to do things differently. I mean, that's just who we are. But the message never changes. Yeah. The message we preach is the same message every. I always like to characterize it like this: If you get off on an exit, say Dixon on the interstate. And you are hungry for a hamburger. Mm-hmm. You see a Wendy's. I'm not sure if they're on this exit, but you yeah. see a Wendy's. You see a Burger King, and you see a McDonald's. You could get a bur- you could get a Whopper from Burger King, a Big Mac from McDonald's, and whatever. Who else has a Wendy's? A yeah. double cheese, whatever. Yeah. And you can you could they, somebody could blindfold you, and you could pick up one of those three burgers and eat them, and you know exactly where they came from. Yeah, they taste a little bit different, but they're this, they're they're all hamburgers, right? Yeah. So here's what I'm saying. Every church is a little bit different. 
But we offer the same thing. Yeah. The message of Jesus Christ, hope and peace that he gives. But we we all have a little different flavor. Yeah. First Baptist Jackson, a little bit different than Soquest. Inglewood, different than First Baptist Jackson and us. West Jackson, Love and Truth Church. Mm-hmm. These are all great churches that are doing phenomenal things for the glory of God, but we all do church a little bit different. Yeah. You know, and uh, we may do it a lot different. I don't know, yeah, but yeah. we but we're because of that though. I'm happy to say that we're reaching all kinds of people, mm-hmm. people that have not been to church in 30 years, people that have never been to church. We're pe- reaching, and that's what I love. We're, we're reaching people of all different races. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Uh, white, uh, African-American, Hispanic American, Orient. I mean, we're reaching so many different groups of people. And that just, to me, that makes God happy. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. Yeah. So. That's really neat. So now, the, when you were in Pensacola, were you a suit and tie church there? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit more relaxed. I would, I didn't wear a tie on Sunday mornings, but I, I would wear dress pants usually. So what was it? Was it that that call back in '06 that you're going to be like, I'm not going to wear a tie anymore, or like what was that? I, I just, I, I knew when I was at the conference in '06 that mm-hmm. that I just felt like I, I could reach more unchurched, truly yeah. unchurched people. Yeah. Now, Jackson. I don't know if people know this or not, but Jackson, like every other small town in West Tennessee, they're still between seventy and eighty percent unchurched. That's crazy. That's, that's we're in the people. we're in the Bible Belt. Yeah. Of, I mean, we're we're in the butt buck, butt belt buckle of the Bible Belt, yeah. and uh, and we still have seventy eighty percent people unchurched. Mm-hmm. So we thought, what can we do to get more people who are unchurched and maybe not don't even and don't believe. Maybe don't even believe in God. We always say that you can belong before you believe. In other words, you don't have to believe exactly what we believe or anything before you can come. We want you to. We want you here, and we preach the gospel, and then we allow God, mm-hmm. His Holy Spirit, to change hearts. Yeah. So you mentioned briefly about the land, but what's next for Soul Quest? Well, uh, what's next? We want to um, fill up the gym twice. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to do that. And, uh, and we want to get in, we really do on our own home. We want our own yeah. building. And that's what everybody wants. They want their own church. Although I don't know that we might get a little bit lazy if we do that. We have to get to the, we have to get to Northside at 6 a.m. right now, every Sunday morning. We're there till 1.30, sometimes 2. Setting everything up and tearing everything down. And we have the best volunteers ever. When we get a building one day, we'll walk in and turn, you know, unlock the building yeah, and, you know, what's going to happen. But, but but we do own our own building so that we can have offices there and that we could have other ministries and do some things that we cannot do right now. Yeah. And uh, so we're really excited about that. As a matter of fact, um, right now, as um, this week, sometime maybe this week, there's some surveying going on on our land. Uh, the culverts will be put in within the next week or, or two. Um, we've got our big event out there that we have. Uh, we started it last year. Um, our big uh, explosion uh, for Easter it'll be the see March the 31st this year on our land mm-hmm. and we'll have 2,000 people on our land you know and the Easter's right around the corner and so we're really excited about the, the best is yet to come yeah. we're really really excited about what God's going to do uh, one other thing that I will mention you ask what's coming up uh, in our in our vision our plan is um, is not only to to grow a church in Jackson, but to have satellite campuses all over West Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And so what that looks like is, is we have live worship band, a campus pastor, 
and uh, probably video preaching that will be sent in live. So we'll have campuses all over West Tennessee. We're in the process, even right now, of developing a couple of those. Wow, okay. Our initial plan was to wait till after we built our building and then do those. Yeah. But uh, vision never changes. Goals don't change, but plans do change. Yeah. And so we're we're looking at, at that right now. But I'm, I'm pumped, man. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much for, for making the time to come yeah. in today. And thank you for... Uh, at one as a Christian of doing the work of expanding the kingdom but then also having your church invest back in Jackson mm-hmm. so thank you for helping me sure thank you for place. having me appreciate it today's podcast was hosted by Kevin Adelsberger our intro music was performed by Aaron Harden it was recorded live at the Co. to find out more about the Co., visit their website at www.attheco.com to find out more about our Jackson home and to read more, more about how amazing Jackson is visit our Jackson home